The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! James. Hi, Paul. We are legitimate now. I hate to say it, but this is uh, this is a big day for the Third Men podcast. Where we're moving on now. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag legit. Um, <laughs> I just opened. Ooh, cracking open one of them mangoes. I just opened a beer. I am in celebration. Um, there's That wasn't a sound effect. That was an actual beer. Well, I already had a bottle open. But let me smash it on this table. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Third Men Podcast has reached a new height, I think. I am your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. I'm your other co-host, James Kaminsky. And, Paul, I just want to say, jolly good. Jolly good. Cup of tea, then, first. Let's celebrate. <laughs> we are uh, a, a Jack White history podcast, uh, if you've never listened to the show, and we talk about Jack White music and history, and every week we have a special guest on the show. And this is the first time, James, we've had a special guest on the show that has been a direct affiliate of Mr. Jack White. Yeah, he's he's in the weeds. He's in the thick of it. Yeah. So uh, this is a this is going to be a special all interview episode. This time for real, not not another <laughs> Smash Mouth thing. We swear. Yeah. <laughs> Where we interview Mr. Bruce Brand of Art Hole Retrographics. Bruce is a musician and an artist, and he is known for touring with the White Stripes in England in the early two thousands. He was a uh, an early friend and fellow. A sympathy for the record industry, a recording artist alongside the White Stripes in their very early years as they were 
launching into the stratospheres of success. And Bruce would go on to design album artwork for both the Elephant LP and its corresponding singles, as well as Get Behind Me Satan and their corresponding singles. So that is that's huge james it's huge for us we're gigantic paul it's crazy right i'm busting i'm busting jerry (laughs) (laughs) and we just had such a ball talking to bruce and we're gonna get to that and we're gonna play that that extended interview for you and we're just gonna we're just gonna forego the skit we normally put at the front of these shows for this time james i prepared a, a real doozy that that i'm just leaving on the cutting room floor it, there was a, it was an alien autopsy thing and oh. i had i had you being alive as your anus was ripped from your body and it Oof. was i had all of these sound effects with vacuum cleaners it was going to be just real funny to nobody, but... Um, it sounds like the plot to Alien Covenant. <laughs> instead, we're just going to get right to it here, but... Before we get to all of that, Paul... Is there something we should be smelling? I think you're smelling that fact that I just <laughs> sent you. I think we have to smell some facts, Paul. Oh. This is the most astounding fact. The most astounding fact. The most astounding fact is the knowledge. Would you like to tell the good people what I think I smell a fact is? I sure would. I think I smell a fact is when we get some information that we didn't have in a in an episode previously that we we were discussing and we find this information either you guys send it to us or we find it out on our own and and uh instead of redoing that whole episode or uh re-uploading it in secret and and causing your itunes to have thousands of the same episode re-downloading constantly we decide to put it at the bumper here to give you just some some extra facts for for some stuff that we found out it's a long-winded way of saying we learned something yeah, so this week's I think I smell a fact, James, uh, you sent to me, but uh, I also added to it here. At our episode 33, we did a spotlight on Jack's obsession with the number three and all of the different three references he places in his songs, James. Yes, and uh, we were at one point in the episode listing the uh, number of times that he's used the number three in his works and releases and music and all of that yeah we sure did (laughs) and paul i know i noticed some and i think you noticed some too that we had missed and there are still plenty more that have not been listed which this might be an ongoing i think i smell a fact but here's a couple that we have not listed in that episode so james i'm just gonna start in here well i mean you you sent the majority of these in but i guess we'll just go one one to one huh you want to just bat these around back and forth yeah let's bat them around you go first All right. So some more threes that we spotted, which actually pertains to the subject matter of this episode. Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground single cover designed by Bruce Brand has a girl playing a piano with a number three on it. Oh, fascinating. Mm -hmm. Another one here I found in the song Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground itself. There's a line in there, 30 notes in the mailbox gonna tell you that i'm coming home ah so that's another three reference in a song
that's a major one we missed. That's Our bad. Yep. <laughs> uh, an, on another elephant-based single cover, the hardest button-to-button cover has a finger coming down to press a button that says three on it. So oh. there's that. Oh. We, we missed that one. There you go. There were three Conquest singles. There was the regular Conquest single, and there were also singles featuring the acoustic mariachi version. Y- yes. And the Spanish spoken version. Yes. Conquista. Conquista. See. Si. Also, uh, going back in time, gonna go back in time, the <laughs> Christmas cheer, uh, well, the uh, the Merry Christmas from the White Stripes single had uh, Christmas cheer that was on the cover, $3 for Christmas cheer. Uh, which we did cover that. in the Christmas episode, but I figured we'll give it a, it's, it's, it's another three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There were three red balls on the cover of Icky Thump. The single. In the little circle there, like marbles almost. Mm -hmm. It looked a little like marbles, yeah. Speaking of Icky Thump, the Icky Thump logo has a griffin in a crest uh, that's holding up a Roman numeral three, as well as there being lots of other little three of many different things on there. But the the Roman numeral three is what really stood out to me on that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Big Three Killed My Baby single cover. Jack is wearing a white t-shirt with a big three on it, which actually he would wear in a lot of photos from that time period. He also had a hard hat that had a three on it that that he would wear sometimes uh, when he was feeling particularly kooky. Yes, and also a uh, like a mailbag, uh, like Mm -hmm. a satchel if you will with a three on it uh and also handsprings has uh three pictures of meg on it as well as the oh yeah and as well as the first self-titled album also has three pictures on a film strip both similarly to handsprings uh so those two have three images on there so lots more threes there and thanks for providing most of those james and hey you know i think we just uh when I reflect on that fact. All right, James, we're going to get into it here. We're going to go ahead and, and kick this interview off. We had lots and lots of questions for Mr. Brand. And to start here, we're just going to we're just going to start right at the beginning, James, and uh, and get into it. What do you say? I think that's a great idea, Paul. Let's do it. third man for this week bruce brand bruce welcome to the show it is so great to have you here thank you for taking the time oh thank you for having me i'm sure it'll be marvelous how's it going now you're over on another continent entirely which is not our first time having somebody from a different country but uh it's good to have you here and i'm glad that we're finally able to get this together yeah well done (laughs) well done for organizing me to do this (laughs) (laughs) we did it yeah Yeah. Yeah, I'm still I'm still like on question two of an interview someone sent me about five years ago. <laughs> I just realized. Anyway. Well we're very excited. Yeah. It was like some old election interview that has long since passed, I'm sure, something like that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um we first came upon your name in connection to Art Hole when we were doing some research about the White Stripes albums Elephant and Get Behind Me Satan. Uh right. but uh so y- you're an artist, you're a graphic designer, you've worked with many bands over the years designing album artwork and single artwork and all kinds of artwork in association to different groups. How did you first get involved in 
in graphic design and specifically album art design because that's such a that's such a niche thing. You know, it's 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 cool that right. you've you've made this expansive portfolio with it. That's a cop out, really. I went, I went to art school. <laughs> I went to art college as a way of like um, stalling, having to get a proper job. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so well, why else is it going to go to art college? Um, and then. Yeah. Yeah, for, yeah. Uh, joined a group um, which became the Pop Rivets, which released a, an album. covers for it I got one printed in the uh, print department I got a letter press one uh, the drummer did a oh, wow uh, I played guitar yeah. the drummer did a potato print uh, Russ the bass player did, did a photocopied um, some sewing instructions and typed over the and all the stuff on it and Billy huh. did uh, a spray sort of stencil thing and then I got one <clears throat> printed. Oh, I did a letterpress one, and then we got one printed. Uh, and then no one bought the record anyway, so <laughs> they all got thrown away. <laughs> <laughs> so we made another one. <laughs> and again, I did the oh, artwork for the for the cover on the kitchen floor, and it all came went from there. <laughs> and then as time went on, we made more records, and I ended up doing most of the covers because I was anyone who could remember how to do the paste up, which is how it was done in those days. Um, and so it went. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I knew you were a musician. Uh, I had read that uh, you were you were a drummer, but you were a guitarist in this group. Yeah, I started off playing guitar with the Pop Rivets, um, which is like a punk rock group. Before that, we played like long air <laughs> rock music. <clears throat> uh, all that went <laughs> down the pan when punk rock came along. Um, right. So that's just nice and easy. I needed three chords and sort of. Uh, tough fingernails and um <laughs> yeah that worked for a while and then when that folded um Billy learned to play guitar and our roadie Mick learned to play guitar Mick formed a band called the Milkshakes and then I, they needed a drummer and I said well I didn't know what drums were for I, just, I knew about playing guitar a bit and um I was just aware that some bloke sitting behind us making a sort of clattering noise and then I started listening. When I started listening to old rock and roll records and stuff like that, uh, I suddenly noticed the drums. I thought, oh, people don't play drums like that anymore. They're sort of like tippy-tapping away in the background and doing sort of interesting stuff rather than just whacking out disco and heavy rock beats. I thought, hmm, I wouldn't mind doing it, giving that a bash.
right, so I did. So I asked, I said, hey, if you need a drummer, I'll do it. And I said, okay, you'll get a drum kit and you can do it. And I did. <laughs> and wow, still doing it. <laughs> and I never really wanted to be a drummer. I just wanted to be the drummer of the milkshakes. <laughs> but, please, people, stop asking me to play drums for you, will you? Thank you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean that. No, you, you, <laughs> I'm do myself out of an income. <laughs> no prior experience whatsoever, just banging away in the back Well, or, that sort of uh, thing, yeah. You figured it out. Huh. Uh, so you did album artwork for the milkshakes as well, right? That was, was that, yeah, I, that was what I did. My, uh, I, that's what kind of got me started after you know the two pop rivets records. Then we did quite a few milkshakes records. Uh, there was no stopping yeah. us. <laughs> Nothing could stop those men. Apparently, um, <laughs> the chorus of one of the one of the albums, and um, yeah, and uh, it was kind of nice and easy in those days because we had a a chap who took black and white photographs of us like a nice sort of grainy snapshot uh, I had a sheet of letter set and um, you know sort of stick it all down on a bit of cardboard and Bob's your uncle <laughs> <laughs> one, one record cover next I don't know if you're familiar with Art Chantries like show posters and that kind of stuff he's a designer from Seattle did a lot of stuff for the grunge did you say Art Chantry yes in fact I've just regurgitated one of his um, <laughs> yeah he did a he did a Headcoats album cover uh, for the Headcoats Conundrum yeah and it had the um, picture of a pistol on the front and at the time he thought what's Sorry. that got to do with us um, afterwards I found out it was an ident ident <laughs> an identity thing or an ident for Peter Gunn the TV programme mm-hmm. I said, right, I'm having that. <laughs> I used it for something else. And then recently that album's been reissued. Oh, we did a different cover over here, which basically thrown together. He didn't like it, I don't think. Anyway, uh, Damaged Goods reissued it recently, and we used his original design for it. Wow. So, yes, I, have, I do know. <laughs> well, I know of, his, of him and his work. Man, Peter Gunn is ringing, a, is ringing such a bell for me right now in, in a beetle way. I feel like that's a lyric to something. Sorry, guys. I'm just I'm falling down a rabbit hole over here. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh no! It's from the that song. Uh, <laughs> it's from the song "Searching," uh, which the Beatles covered, and they mention Peter Gunn in it. Uh, that's that's what was. Uh, anyway, yeah, I thought they mentioned Bulldog Drummond. Yeah, well, they they mentioned that too. <laughs> okay, oh, Peter Gunn mentioned in that as well. Yeah, I, I never noticed that. Okay, I, I lose interest in lyrics halfway through a song. <laughs> <laughs> so, working with all these bands that you're participating in as well, you mentioned that the Milkshakes thing is what opened the door for a different album design for you. And well, kind of, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's we did quite a lot of those. Um, so we're bringing out albums like every couple of months or something, or it seemed like it. So that kept me busy, uh-huh. and um, then. After that, with the head coats and stuff, and anything else in between. Yeah, there's also, it looks like Anne Briggs, the Masonics, uh, yeah. Artemid Shanks, Hipbone yeah. Slim, uh, Miss Ludella Black. Uh, there's just, it goes on and on here. <laughs> there's just a lot of, lot of different yeah. album uh, albums you worked on here. Yeah, well, um, the Masonics, Hipbone Slim, and Ludella Black are the current projects that I play with. Cool. <laughs> Anne Briggs is a folk, old folk singer who was, that's a reissue 
uh, old some old folk stuff that um, from a label called Topic that uh, was like the oldest independent record label in Britain. It's been going for about seventy five, over seventy five years. Huh. So, to that point of interest, pop pickers. Yeah, uh, my question now is, from all those different acts and the acts you were playing with, how did you get to know Holly Golightly? Because she seems to be a character, uh, or, or a, sorry, a character. A character <laughs> she seems yeah. to be a musician that you uh, that you really started to collaborate a lot with. Oh yeah. And as, as we know, you know, there, there's a there's the Jack White connection there. But how did you first get to know Holly? Uh, well, she used to come and see the milkshakes as a, a wee tot when she was about fourteen or fifteen. <laughs> She used to come along to yeah. see us and loads of go to loads of gigs, and we got to know each other, and we went out for ages. And she started writing songs um, all of a sudden <laughs> and playing guitar. <laughs> One day she just picked up a guitar and started singing a song. I thought, well, I didn't know you did that. She said, "Yes," yeah, so we made a record. Um, left after um, a Sonic session I think and and everyone who was there she just said oh I've got a couple of songs and we just recorded them she said they go like this so uh, there's a motley crew of musicians sitting around and they, they played the songs they did four songs and we gave the tape that we'd recorded with the Masonics to this chap at Vinyl Japan who was a label that used to bring our stuff out and on the end of it was Holly's stuff and he said ah is right to use the accent because <laughs> I can't. Help it. <laughs> yeah. so, you don't have to, but so, yeah, well, this I may know, be one uh, of those things we cut out later. Yeah, it might be. But uh, he said, oh. <laughs> in a Japanese accent, he said, "Not keen on Masonic songs, but like Holly's." And he bought her <laughs> and you put her Holly songs out, and that's how it started. And then, like twelve or so albums later, you know, still going strong. Uh, as are the Masonics, I hasten to it. We just released an album ourselves, so no one else will have it. <laughs> yes, wow. and still doing the covers. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you maintained a good uh, relationship with her over many years now. It's, yeah, it's and she's now living in um, Georgia and oh, doing cool. stuff with the Brokoffs and her own stuff. Yeah. So yeah, still Georgia going the strong. country or Georgia the state? Georgia the state. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just confirming. <laughs> so Holly, uh, very notably, uh, sang um, uh, a duet with Jack White, or a, or a sort of call and response style yeah. duet on their album Elephant. And uh-huh. uh, so uh, my my next question is, uh, how did the Holly Go Lightly Toe Rag Studios? How did all of that culminate in you participating in in Jack White's music? Okay. Um first got to know Jack I got a call off their agent one day he happened to be Holly's agent and used to book us gigs over there um, oh. he said I knew the White Stripes because we, the, 
the gig, the tour we did previously, we stayed at Long Gone John's house, who released their original yeah. records. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, the Sympathy uh, guy, yeah. Yeah, Sympathy, yeah. Uh, Johnny, the bass player, the head coach, and himself stayed at his place. And he said, hey, you might like these guys. And I slung some White Stripes <laughs> records. Okay. And I got on home, and I thought, oh, these are quite good. They're not bad. Is Long Gone is Long Gone as eccentric as I've been led to believe by the documentary about him? He might be. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. It depends. Right, no speak no evil. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's obvious. Anyway, so I'd heard about them and I liked them and I thought, cool, it'd be great to get them to get them over. And then got a call off the agent saying, hey, the White Stripes are coming to the UK. Uh, do you guys want to yeah. open for them? I went, okay. I said, great. Can they use your drums? I thought, uh, yeah. And your amps? I thought, okay. And uh, can you drive them around? So, okay. <laughs> so on the day they arrived, I got a call saying, can I meet them at the airport? Oh, okay. So I had to leave work, hire a van. Actually, I didn't. I went down on the train because I'm not driving to Gatwick. It takes ages. Anyway, so I met them. They, we, the Sonics opened for them on their first four tours in Britain. And then they went off to Ireland. Um, then uh, they suddenly became household names over here. And uh, they came back the next year and I said, was it the first tour? Yeah, they had a day off and they was doing all these um, interviews with people and they said, ah, we've got Friday off, but we've got to do an interview with some lifestyle mag. I said, ah, you don't want to do that. Come on, I'll show you my mate's studio, Toe Rag. They knew of it in advance. They knew of it anyway, because the henchmen, their mates had recorded there, I think. So I took them to Toe Rag and they were impressed with what they saw and they met Liam Watson and so on. And then we spent the rest yeah. of the day driving around trying to find somewhere that sold pizza. In <laughs> <And> Hackney, <laughs> where Toe Rag is now, located. Now, this is, in the, this is in the dead of winter, right? This At this point in time? Um, you know what? I can't remember. I've got it written down somewhere. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I just, I, I've, heard, I've heard him talk about how cold it was during that, that period. Oh, yeah. Oh, didn't it? There. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but you're a bunch of wusses. It's always cold for you. <laughs> <laughs> you think this is cold and it's blazing sunshine. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, they have something to do with chicken nuggets in the end. James, that was yeah. a very interesting story he told there. A lot of cool stuff going on in England with him and the White Stripes. It, yeah, totally. I guess I didn't really realize, James, that there was quite that many musical interactions with him. I was aware of the art and design stuff, but I was really largely unaware of the musical side of things going into those initial talks with him. And it was really awesome learning all about his various groups and things like that. And uh, and it's just, it's great music. Yeah, and uh, I had known that the Masonics had opened for the White Stripes during during a lot of their England overseas gigs, but I honestly didn't even make the connection that that was Bruce's band until he said it, and that's that's yeah. friggin' nuts. That is friggin' yeah, nuts. It's crazy. And then uh, you know he that era I guess has been sort of captured in the DVD that Vault DVD, the White Heat DVD, when um, the White Stripes were touring with Whirlwind Heat. I know it's not exactly at the same time, but I think the closest we have to a living or uh, to a document of that kind of era of the White Stripes in England is is probably that White Heat DVD. You are missing quite a significant document of that tour, which is the under Under Blackpool Lights. Yeah, under under Blackpool Lights, which 
is oh. in Blackpool, England. But was there a lot of behind the scenes in that? I guess not. That's fair. That's totally fair. I, I, I just found the, the White Heat DVD to have a lot of those sort of incidental moments. like Yeah, the touring atmosphere. Right, showing what that was like over there. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The Under Blackpool Lights is, is, a, is a great show. Yeah, you're. if that's the case, then yes, you're 100% right. I don't know of any other uh, documentation of like what's going on behind the scenes any better than that. That, that we've got yeah. yet. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Maybe Jack has stuff, and we'll see it on future vaults. Who knows? But that that stuff, by the way, is always some of my favorite stuff to see. Is like what what are they doing in the green room? What are they doing, or in the right. red and white room, or the white room? Is is make some kind of pun about it? I don't know. It it's cool. In the white room with black <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but James, that wasn't the only surprise we had during this interview. Um, no, it was not, Paul. We had surprises aplenty. Well, let's get back into it and let's listen to some more, uh, shall yeah. we? Uh, and then they came back <laughs> the next time. And uh, Jack was staying in a hotel opposite where I live. And he rang me up and said, hey, I've written this song. It's going to be great. I want Holly to sing it. I said, okay. So he ran over and sang it at me. I thought, <laughs> sang it at you. <laughs> and I just stared at him. And he said, "What's up? Don't you like it?" <laughs> I went, "Well, I heard you write better." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they went and recorded it. <laughs> what is my opinion, man? <laughs> uh, yeah, I went into Torag, uh, like had a free evening over there, and they, we went up there and recorded it as like a test, a demonstration or trial of the studio. And um, I ended up making tea on it (laughs) at the end of it. Yeah. As it documented. We we heard, I mean, that's where we we heard your name. I mean, we knew that song because that album was a tremendous hit over here and all over the world. But that's really the thing that put Jack, solidified Jack for us as like a... A, a musician we were really really into uh, and so I listened we both listened to that album a lot well it's true that we love one another I love Jack White like a little brother well Holly I love you too but there's just so much that I don't know about you Jack give me some money to pay my bill all the bill I give you Holly you've been using on pain I always heard at the end of that song, Cup of Tea then, Bruce, let's celebrate. Yeah, I was yeah. like, who the <laughs> f*** 
fuck is Bruce? I have no idea who this guy is. Guilty as charged. I'm like a mean cup and of I've tea, wondered, I wondered that for years and years, and it's you, Bruce. Yeah, You're the yeah. Bruce. This is amazing. If I was there, I'd put the kettle on for you. <laughs> what was the type of tea? Can I ask? Oh, it was regular monkey tea. <laughs> was it English breakfast? Yeah, over here, tea's advertised <laughs> by monkeys, or it used to be. If it's any good, it is. And um, it was, yeah, regular PG tips, probably. Or well, it might be in Yorkshire, I don't know. Just ordinary black tea. Oh, man. Milk and a couple of sugar thrown in, forgive me. Yeah. <laughs> Stoke. When did you find out that you got the little shout out on the end there? When did you did you find that out when you heard the album or when? No, I found out at the time because I was there when <laughs> when, it, when it was recorded. I think I might have even done some finger pops or hand claps on it or something, but I just forgot to credit myself. Uh, and then I just said, "Oh, look, that was on the end." And um, jolly good, Bruce. Have a nice cup of tea then. He said, "Oh yeah, leave that on." Okay, all right. <laughs> Wow. So, that yeah, I knew, wild. I kind of knew it was going to be there when it was at that time. Anyway, I thought, I didn't, well, if they, they might fade it out or edit it off when it's mastered. But no, it stayed there. That's my wow. probably, that, wow. that's probably my main claim to fame. That's as famous as I'll ever be without anyone actually knowing <laughs> who I am. <laughs> so we knew going into this that Bruce was name-checked at the end of Elephant, but... Hearing that full story was remarkable. Yeah, I mean, even hearing how closely tied Holly Golightly's career was to him and his bands mm-hmm. is really, really super interesting. Yeah. Basically, it seems that he's almost responsible for Elephant taking place in England, too. Yeah. Uh, having introduced Jack and Meg to Torag Studios. And also to Holly Golightly. It's it's crazy. Yeah, uh, there's a lot going on in that story. It was really interesting to hear the origins of it. I think, uh, I, as I mentioned in the interview itself, we knew for years there was this guy named Bruce name-checked at the end of this song because it was one of my favorites from that Elephant album. But uh, I, I don't think we had any idea who it was. And, and then as the pieces started to fit together, I think we started to realize, hey, I think it's this Bruce Brand guy. Yeah. And so it was really cool just finally getting that side of the story because I think I, I was pretty clueless as to as to that for a very long time. Yeah, and it's funny because I don't think either one of us are Redditors. No. Yeah. But we do occasionally run across Reddit threads when we're researching things, and uh, I, I don't think either one of us are super interested in what they have to say, but I have come across... <laughs> at least two threads where they are talking about who this Bruce fellow is and uh <laughs> and this cuz it's the it is actually the last thing on the album like the mm-hmm. album ends with Holly talking to Bruce uh, you know you hear Bruce muttering a little bit and then you hear Holly talking to him and, and that's the tail end the very last thing it's like Chewbacca has the last word in <laughs> Star Wars <laughs> Bruce and Holly have the last word in elephant. <laughs> um, love you, Bruce. No, I mean, it was really cool. Yeah, we love you, Bruce. And uh, no, it was, it was really cool. And so uh, we're going to hop back into it here and uh, and, and we're going to get to the sort of the uh, some more cool parts of this interview, James. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, that that's I mean, that is definitely a verbal shout out there, but you also <laughs> did so much more that that so people who may may not even necessarily know you would know Art Hole and would know the album art you designed. So you worked on the you're credited as layout for the Elephant LP. Um, how did how did you transition from musical acquaintance and uh, a person who was playing with Jag opening for him that kind of thing? How did you transition that to doing the LP art? Did Jack did you were you showing him your stuff and he responded to it or? I think the idea was for the whole Elephant project. It was it was going to be the English. LP, so it was recorded in England, right? With um, English engineers, well, Liam um, and Holly singing on it, who's also English. Uh, and then right. the idea was for me to do the artwork because I'm English too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was supplied with the pictures, with the artwork, the um, the photographs. Um, yeah. So as far as the the actual cover design goes. That was already Jack did that, and there were like okay. three. I think it was six different pictures. There was one yeah. for the British LP, one for the CD, and a different one for the American LP, and a different one for the CD. And there was I think there was eight. There was the Australian version and mm-hmm. Japanese one, I think. So they're all slightly different. They were being color shifted. So one they're wearing red and white, one they're wearing white and red, one wearing black and white, and the other one they're I don't know, I can't remember. They're different. <laughs> it's the same. It's not the same photo, but it's the same shoot, and they're slightly different pictures. And they is is shifted. The cricket bat moves around too. Yeah, they're that. They're slightly different. They're posed posed differently. So I did all the different artworks. I've only got the British one. I think mm-hmm. uh, the actual physically, uh, but I've got the yeah. obviously I've got the artwork for all the others because I I laid it all out. Yeah, and he supplied all the pictures and the and the text, and I, I think I did, I think I did a couple of singles before that. I can't remember which. Did you do the actual single illustration, or did you uh, just do layout? Uh, some of my design, Seven mm-hmm. Nation Army, uh, was based on a Dave right. Clark Five EP. <laughs> Well, in as much as it's got the writing going around in a circle, that was the inspiration. Right. by the way, was the first uh, White Stripe single that I ever purchased, and I purchased it in Rome, Italy, for an airplane ride, just going back to the States. So I purchased it to listen to something. Uh, The Seven Nation Army single. So that album artwork is uh, kind of, for that single specifically, is ingrained in my head for all eternity. (laughs) So thank you for that. Oh, well, you're (laughs) welcome. There's Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground was one with the piano girl playing a piano mm-hmm. and I think there were right. like three or four different versions of it and each one the piano's sort of falling because that was from the lyric obviously mm-hmm. um, yeah there's one with the piano at the top one in the middle one at the bottom just for you know if you're an avid collector you'll have all of them I suppose but yeah. if you've got <laughs> you'll just have one um, there was one actually my favourite one was the hardest button to button 
which is based on the man yeah. with the golden arm. There's a story behind that. Hey, I was curious about that one because I know there's some Saul Bass uh, inspiration going on. Yeah, it's obviously based on um, Saul Bass image from a man with a golden arm, which I've recycled once before. I like it so much. <laughs> But I, if you like yeah. something, it's best to copy it wholesale, rip it off completely, not just do <laughs> some sort of half-baked version of it. And the record... Oh, it's at the time, that's when Jack broke his finger. He had a car crash, and he broke his finger. And I used that right. as an excuse yeah. for it. Um, it's never probably <laughs> been explained before, but that's why it's like it is. It's his broken finger. Wow. Uh, See, I knew he broke his finger because he, he talks in interviews about not being able to... I broke his... I made him break his finger specially so I could use that design. <laughs> and it's well, pushing He talks button. about not being able to make certain chords uh, an, anymore or, or, oh, or he has to do them differently in some interviews, and I guess that's what that comes from. That's interesting. Yeah, I heard... I heard he demanded to have th- three screws in it instead of just the two that was absolutely necessary. And he made the doctor put an extra screw in it so they'd have three, because oh, three is the magic number. Oh, Jack. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> three screws, three cords. Um, yeah, but that was the reason that's I used that. Um, and it's a finger pressing a button, and then I looked at it, I thought, the hardest button to button probably doesn't mean pushing a button. It probably means buttoning up a button. So I thought, I know, I'll put buttonholes in it. <laughs> it looks like a, a button <laughs> that you sew on rather than a button you push. But I thought, well, anyway. And then um, the record company said, oh, I don't think we can use that. We'll probably get sued by the estate of Saul Bass. And I said, well, good. <laughs> it's good publicity. <laughs> and um, I went to a, a Saul Bass website, which was just a Saul Bass tribute site, and I showed them it. I, I sent it to them. I said, do you think this is a complete rip-off, or is it a tribute? They said, no, it's a tribute. Uh, it's got an acknowledgement anyway. And, uh, but they made me sign a disclaimer, and they said, oh, it's not so much the image, it's the hand lettering. I thought, oh, you know, those are people who use hand lettering. And I looked online, and there's a typeface you can download called Hitchcock, which is basically based uh-huh. on Saul Bass lettering but I still jig it around with it to make it look more like the real thing and uh, I had to sign a disclaimer saying that if there was any comeback I'd accept full responsibility and have to pay vast amounts of you know, like, <laughs> fees <laughs> oh, wow. so I said yeah I'm willing to do Jeez. that because I you know I think you should be able to do stuff like that and as long as it's got the you know an acknowledgement on it fine and nothing happened okay. of course <laughs> <laughs> I think no one even mentioned it. In fact, you probably wouldn't have mentioned it. I had to bring it up myself. <laughs> you probably—I didn't give you a chance oh, to man. mention it. Who made sorry. you sign that? Was that was that Virgin? Because he wasn't—he had left sympathy by that point. XL, yeah. Yeah. Oh, XL. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. Was Jack meticulous about the look he wanted for the different things? I'm curious how much art direction. I know you said he was supplying assets for you, but oh, how right. much was he ever sketch things out for you? Or was it how how close was he to that side of it? Uh, he was more fussy about photos. He supplied pho- mm-hmm. he first supplied photographic stuff. I supplied mm-hmm. most of the art art sort of art work orientated yeah. stuff. Um, he was quite hot on photo retouching. Like all the things a certain way because the um, what's it called Blue Orchid and Get Behind Me Satan that was like two photos there were two sets of photos and we had to use one I think there was a picture of Jack from one photo and a picture of Meg from the other and they obviously had to be stuck together and uh, all sort of made to look I mean it wasn't that hard because it's basically pretty much the same but there was quite a lot of retouching going on with those with uh, sort of highlighting sort of 
anyway and the yeah I've, th- I've got the originals and they're actual photographs I had to scan them and they're all they're quite gr- dusty <laughs> the actual photos <laughs> are quite grainy and um do you have any idea what that object that Jack is holding is by any chance <laughs> on the cover of that it's a pill a big white thing it's a pill container apparently I think that's what I was told anyway it looks like a gourd or some <laughs> sort of instrument I think he called it a pill box or a pill container, but I don't know. It must be a pretty big pill, horse pills or elephant pills. <laughs> oh, no, maybe ask him. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've been trying to sleuth this out for quite some time, so yeah. we, we, we have no idea. But you worked closely with it, so I figured you might be a better source than I. Yeah, sure. I, it was. I remember him calling it a pill box or a a pill container or something but uh interesting I, yeah I never really questioned it I just thought it's a, a big white thing or it's made to look white anyway <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Get Miami State we're talking a little bit about that album so you had done obviously the stuff for Elephant and were you expecting to get a call back to work on more albums with him or was did that come as a surprise to you was your relationship such where it, it was it was not really a surprise your relationship continued uh, into that album well i never take things for granted i don't assume that things are going to last forever and when he started yeah. his own third man concern or well, yeah. there but when he started actually the, the record the production side of things um i wasn't expecting Expecting to sort of, you know, I thought it'd make more sense for him to use someone locally. Um, right. I did get a mess- an email off him quite early on asking if I would like to go over there and do the artwork uh, in, uh, I think, was it, I can't remember if it started off in Detroit or was it in Nashville? It, it basically asked me if I'd go over there and do all their artwork and, and websites and stuff. Um, I, I kind of chickened out. <laughs> Because it had been quite a big move, <laughs> moving to America. It was yeah. a good deal, but you know, I thought um, it's probably I didn't it didn't feel right. <laughs> I'm very flattered. Yeah. Wow. But um, basically, I don't know how to do websites. <laughs> I didn't think I could con my way into that. I could have probably learned to do them, but I thought, well, you know. <laughs> That's quite an offer. I, I, it was an offer, and I was very, very grateful to him and very flattered. I maybe I just didn't have enough confidence in myself, <laughs> but it would have meant moving to America and you know working right. over there, and I, it did seem quite a big, big move. <laughs> yeah, right, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely but, is. You know, huh. I thought I'd you know, stick with being a little old art hole over here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that that's nuts. Um, so <laughs> so you did the get behind me Satan stuff. Do you have any stories about developing that artwork uh, or developing that design? Was there any notable stuff that pops out at you, uh, Jack stories you want to share with us? For, for me, either this one or Elephant. But are, are there any? You know, Jack can be a character. We were talking about characters earlier. Yeah. Is there is there any are there any stories that pop out at you? Um, well, so which one are you talking about specifically? Uh, it could be either, but uh, get behind me Satan was. Uh, oh right, was, okay. Um, yeah. There was lots of late night phone calls <coughs> involved. Really? With um, hope you don't mind me saying this, changing the shape of his moustache and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, can I reverse his little uh, jazz patch beard to a triangle up the other way and stuff? I thought, okay. Which is <coughs> quite so. I was like doing it while he was on the phone and then sending him the proof and then getting more instructions wow <laughs> oh, no, and I had to clean his fingernails as well because he's pointy he's got a pointy finger and it, it, I couldn't see it but he could see some dirt under his fingernail and that had to go <laughs> 
Are you doing this all traditionally by hand? I, I used a toothpick, yeah, to clean out his fingernail. On the photos. When you say traditionally, <laughs> I use in traditional old Photoshop, yeah. Like, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, I figured, but yeah. I was double-checking. That is super interesting, though. <laughs> Especially the fingernail bit. Was not expecting that. <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, yeah, that's, I don't know if, um, uh, yeah, if I fell full from grace saying that, but that's, but, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to have a dirty fingernail on the front of a record cover. <clears throat> sure. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a guy who uses image in a, in a certain way, not in a shallow way, but in a way that uh, is meant to go side by side with the music, I think. Well, exactly. He, yeah. He's, yeah, no, I'm, I'm. No, to be honest, I've worked with people who are, are so um, finicky and OCD or CDO, sorry, um, about things. I'm not <laughs> including Jack in that. I'm just saying I've, I'm used to it, and uh, it's. Yeah. I'm. I can just work around it. It's if that's what people want, then I'm willing to give them what they try and give them what they want anyway. <laughs> I found it very, very interesting that this guy got invited to come to Nashville and just be a graphics person and general on-hand music person for Third Man Records. He could have been the Rob Jones slash, you know, whoever for, for Third Man. He could have been such a regular face. And he said no, and it's and that's just it seems like a it seems like a missed opportunity uh, on for Jack really losing that creative voice. Yeah, I mean that is a huge move though, and I do completely sympathize with the record industry and with Bruce Brand. Like that, mm-hmm. that's a that's a large move to make, like three thousand miles away. I True. totally get you wouldn't want to leave everything behind necessarily, and. Uh, to to go work with a musician who's at the time musical trajectory is still unknown i mean he could have been a one-hit wonder for all bruce knew so i i get it i totally get it but at the same time we definitely missed out on some interesting album artwork we definitely missed out on some interesting musical opportunities that could have arisen but at the same time it also gave rise to to some other artists in jack white's world so i mean Rob Jones definitely started popping up more and more after this. Yeah. And, you know, I love I love both of their styles of artwork. Bruce definitely has more of a punk aesthetic. And uh, yeah, and I definitely dig that. You know, it's it's more of a show poster, gig poster kind of aesthetic. And I really, really like that. Yeah. And as I as I had mentioned earlier in the interview, you know, it's it reminds me a lot of Art Chantry stuff. Whereas, you know, Rob Jones has more of a illustrative Mm-hmm. kind of aesthetic and and I, I like both pretty equally i'd say i would love to see bruce and jack commiserate some more but yeah but yeah i i totally get him not wanting to move that far far away just it it brings my mind to what could have been in, in an alternate universe somewhere bruce brand became this crazy force behind third man records it's just so funny to see that path diverge in the woods, yeah. Because as as the Rack and Tours kicked off, not long after this, you see Rob Jones's art really come to the fore. You see him doing all of those posters and all of those single covers right. and all of those promo CD covers. And then from that point on, Rob Jones becomes this really key figure in Jack White's entire deal. So it's just it's interesting to think about what could have been. 
It would have been a drastically, not drastically, but it would have been a different Third Man Records had Bruce made that move. Yeah, at the very least, aesthetically, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you might have even seen him join in on things like the Blunderbuss LP or or take a dabble in engineering or become an, a, uh, a a force within the Rolling Record Store. Or see, I could have seen him doing any number of things. He seems like a charismatic guy uh, who Jack would probably find kind of fun and to have around and to expose to the public. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Agreed. So, Interesting. Um, and you know what? They, the Masonics should do a show at Third Man. What's going on there? They just put out some new music. Why doesn't Jack invite the Masonics? Hell yeah! To you know Detroit or Nashville and have them do a show. What's going on? I'd, I would take. I would fly down to Nashville if they did. Yeah, that would be amazing. We'll see Bruce and we'll, we'll hang out, and he'll introduce us to Jack, and Jack will be like, um, "Here's a lawsuit just for you." <laughs> uh, so James, we're going to get into the tail end of this here interview, but. Um, a lot of interesting stuff and, and still some more he mentions here and so we're gonna we're gonna hop back in. Alright, let's hop. Got a rabbit. Likes to do it. <laughs> uh, what was Meg like? Did you have a lot of interaction with Meg? I would imagine probably not a lot over the phone or email, but No, um mainly in the bars and stuff like that. <laughs> but she's yeah. very, very nice and very quiet. Uh, I mean my um thought I'm aware of anyway. Quite quite well behaved. Yeah. Well, they're both quite well behaved. I thought. Um, I didn't. I didn't notice anything <laughs> untoward going on. But um, yeah, no, she seemed lovely. But um, I like her drumming. I know she probably says mm-hmm. that Jack told her what to do all the time. But you know how, how to play it, basically. But what she did fitted. I thought it fitted the music perfectly, and it is kind of um, she had her own style, and I liked. I liked what she did. seen or been in touch with her since well last time I went to America I think and stayed at her place and that was nice but um, yeah I don't actually know what's become of her to be honest yeah it seems to be uh, most people don't but most people that do are kind of keeping it quiet just so she can yeah. live a quieter lifestyle it seems yeah if uh, if she's out there hello Meg Madge yeah we used to, I used to call them Jeff and Madge they're not Jack and Meg over here they're Jeff and Madge and, really? Uh, yeah, and they had, the, they had their third man, who was uh, John Baker, a.k.a. Mr. Pastry, who was their uh, <coughs> Kiwi to road manager at the time. <laughs> With the photos you got for the artwork, did you get those directly from Jack? or did Because I know they were from Brian Muldoon and David Swanson, I think, did a couple of them too. Uh, uh, did you have any contact with them? Uh, Get Behind Me Satan and Blue Orchid were from the photographer. Ewan Spencer, I think his name was. Okay. Uh, I've still got them somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised to actually get photographs. 
mm-hmm. it made a sort of harken back to the old days. I'll tell you what was a bit of a tr- bit of a problem though was on the on the British version of Elephant. Jack had done the art, made the colours like a rich, really deep oxblood colour. It looked really nice, but he saved it in a RGB format, which is okay for online, but for print you have to change the CMYK. And I changed it as soon as I changed it to CMYK, it went grey. <laughs> it was just on the cusp of uh, being a really difficult colour, and I I tried really hard to get recapture the proper colour, and it it. It just about got away with it, but it's nowhere near as nice as it looks. It would have looked as a virtual picture, but you know, I even took it to a oh. printer and had it printed out and rescanned it, and it still wouldn't capture, wouldn't hold the proper colour. But got there in the end. I think it's printed on elephant dung. <laughs> the board, yeah, yeah, the actual jacket was made from elephant dung. I found out too late. <laughs> <laughs> After already handled it and sniffed it. (laughs) Anyway. Well, I often get things from artists in RGB, and when they see print, they wonder, well, what happened? Why why does it look like that? And I say, Mm. well, you sent it to me in RGB, and the conversion is just never going to be 100% what that was. Actually, I get the opposite problem, because I post a lot of digital work, and if I'm ever posting stuff uh, with other people, occasionally they'll send me files in CMYK, which look horrendous digitally, so they're they're (laughs) fluorescent in digital, uh, at least on the internet, when they're posted. So it's, yeah, kind of the opposite problem for me. But I I always make sure all my files are CMYK if I right. can help yeah. it for print. Uh, over email, Bruce, you mentioned that Jack got you a computer? What's that yeah, about? Well, uh, when I was working on the Elephant album, I had this old steam-driven Apple Mac. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're in your top hat. and Grey yeah. tower things. Yeah. Um, and he saw how long it took me just to open up the picture because it was like a real high-res file. Yeah. Yeah, it's taken like a good five minutes just to open the picture. He says, wow, looks like you can do with a new computer. I went, wow, yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd get one with the proceeds. I thought, you know, in fact, I thought maybe I can get one with the proceeds of this. And <laughs> I said, yeah, we're out for, yeah, we're out at dinner. After some, I think we are doing some recording or something. We ran out to dinner and I told him about how slow it was taking on the computer. And he said, wow, sounds like you can use a, a new computer. Next day, or a couple of days later, there was a bang on the, or sort of the door went. I ran downstairs and there's a man with a huge cardboard box saying, delivery for Mr. Brand. <laughs> uh, what's that? I sign here. And I was like, oh, didn't order anything. Took it up. But brand new Mac G4. And woohoo! I was bouncing off the furniture. It's great. Um, and I've only, it's only a couple of years ago that I, I had to retire it and get what I'm using now, which is a, an iMac, because it was yeah. getting, it was starting to break down. I'm just imagining Jack at like a genius bar at an Apple store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was like, yeah, from the Apple store. And it was all like, had, you know, chips in it and all that. And uh, a screen and <laughs> plugs and sockets and everything. I thought, wow. He bought, yeah. he bought three of them and threw out the other two because... Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, that served me served me well. I've still got it in storage, but um, yeah, it doesn't work properly now because I over, you know, I've used it to death. <laughs> right. 
Right. So you have firsthand experience of witnessing uh, the White Stripes on tour. Before we sort of wrap up here, are, are there any stories that you can tell of palling around in London and anything that comes to mind? Because that's such a special time in, in his career because he had just <laughs> yes, taken off. He had just become this huge thing. So, And you were at the ground floor. So what, what was that like? What, okay, well, when I went, I went to meet them at the airport um, and... I didn't drive. I thought, if I drive there, it'll take ages. I hate driving to Gatwick, and there's only two of them. <laughs> so I went down on the train, yeah. um, and then they came out, and Mag, Mag, Madge, Edge, what's her name? <laughs> Meg, a.k.a. Madge, a.k.a. <laughs> Thrupney Bit, over it is. Um, yeah, she had, like, suitcases as big as your house. Oh, blimey, good job I yeah. didn't drive, because I only had a little car. And then Mr. Pastry came out with, like, uh, boxes of merchandise because you got to have merchandise up to the <laughs> ceiling. Uh, I thought, right, I'd never got this lot in my car anyway. So we went back on the train and uh, we got back to Farringdon Station, which is the nearest place to me. I said, um, I'll get us a taxi. And I stepped out, hailed a cab, and as soon as they stepped forward, the taxi drove off. I thought, oh, yeah, welcome to London. Anyway, we got back. <laughs> um, and they couldn't stay at mine because at the time I had two cats or at least one cat and they're allergic to cats so I had to put them up at a friend's house and we I think was it the first gig the second gig yeah I, had, I was driving the van and I picked up Liam and Fab and everyone from my band uh, my band the Masonics and our entourage and then I was driving to wherever it is we had to go and um Mr. Pastry, aka John Baker, tour manager, said, um, <coughs> Where are Jack and Meg? <laughs> uh, ah. Oh, yeah, I'm just taking a seat. You know what? We just come off of tour, and I was so used to these people being in the back, and I'd completely forgotten to pick them up. <laughs> so I'd, yeah, I had to execute a hasty bat turn and, and, and go to wherever Jack and Meg were staying. People, Sorry, folks. Sorry, Jack and Meg. I didn't mean to leave you in the lurch like that. We got there, and then um, uh, there was another time when we uh, oh, had a, a, an interview with a record label. Um, I was given the address Farringdon Street, and I thought, oh, that's sort of down the road for me, and then some. So I battled my way through the traffic to this place called Farringdon Street, and it took about an hour to get there, even though it's only about a mile away because it was like in the heart of congestion time, and the place didn't exist. It was like the address oh. didn't wasn't there, and um, I said, Are "You sure you give me the right address?" And he said, "Yeah, it's forty three Farringdon Road." I said, "Say Farringdon Road." You said Farringdon Street. Farringdon uh. Road is like literally a two minute walk from where I live, <laughs> and so they nearly missed uh, having this interview for a record label. Uh, I don't whether it's the one they wow. signed to in the end. I don't know, but <laughs> it nearly <Wow>. didn't happen. <laughs> Uh, you probably want to hear something more interesting than that. They're very dull. Start boring myself here. Um, anyway, that sort of thing. Well, you asked me to remember on the fly, and that, that's what that's what springs to mind. Uh, well, no, that's wonderful. We we love hearing these stories. Uh, the, it's it's awesome. You mentioned knowing Long Gone John. How how did you get to know him? Oh, well, um, well, years before we met him. Um, with the head coach when the head coach first played in LA I guess uh, he came to see us 
released some of our records, well, quite a few, Head Coats and Head Coats' yeah. records, and lots of Holly stuff as well. Right. So, yeah, he's kind of an old, old chum. And, yeah, introduced, us to the, well, introduced me to the White Stripes. So, yeah, all bless him. Nice. There's a wonderful, wonderful documentary about him called "The Treasures of Long Gone John," I believe. Um, I've heard of yeah. it. I haven't. I've yet to see it. It's cool. I mean, he's kind of fallen off the grid because I sought him out as well, and it was hard to find him because uh, right. I, I moved know. out to Los Angeles uh, about uh, two years ago, and so I thought, "Oh, great, yeah. he's probably here." But I know he moved. I think it was to either Washington State or to Colorado, something oh, somewhere okay. north. Yeah. I've seen pictures yeah. of uh, some wild forest that he lives in or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah like say, Sasquatch, yeah, just yeah. walking by, right? Yeah, but yeah, I'd like to see him again. <laughs> well, uh, Bruce, this has been absolutely wonderful. It's It's been such a pleasure talking to you here. We thank you again for taking the time, and uh, yeah. it, it just means so much to us that you did that. Is there anything you want to plug while you're on the show that we can... That we can yeah. plug or link to? Now you mention it, the new Masonics album called Overman Rise Again. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Keep a look out awesome. <laughs> Where, where will we be able to find it? Is it going to be... Okay, I think uh, it's um, Ugly Things. Uh, their shop stocks it. Okay. okay. Their online shop, I think. Cool. Possibly cool. quite exclusively in the States. All right, folks, go out and get the new Masonics album. Masonics album, Ober- Oberman Rides Again. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you so much. Yeah, this has been a real pleasure. And uh, we're going to, uh, yeah, so the, we'll, we'll get back to the show here. Thanks again. Okay. All right. To put on my, my little fan hat real quick, uh, I'm just going to say cup of tea then, Bruce. Um, Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Let's celebrate. Make it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy that he forgot Jack at the uh, at, in the car. And James, that brings us to the end of this interview. Uh, boy, what a cool experience! I am. Uh, I was gl- like thinking constantly, like this is the guy at the end of Elephant. I just talked to the guy yeah. at the end of Elephant. <laughs> I, I was thinking the same thing. I was over the moon, very happy to do it. Bruce was very gracious with his time. And, uh, and we really appreciate it. And uh, Bruce, if you're listening, we thank you again for being on the show. You were fantastic. We wish you the best in uh, both your art and your music, and we hope to talk to you again in the future. Yeah, thank you again so much, Bruce. It was spectacular talking to you, and uh, I look forward to going to England sometime and buying you a drink. Yes. And so uh, speaking of people we're thankful for, we got a couple shout outs here, James. Yes, we do, Paul. We have a lot of new people who are tweeting at us and Facebooking at us and social media Social mediating. Social mediating at us. Um, <laughs> Socially meditating? Yeah, sure. That seems right. Uh, first, we'd like to, to okay. thank uh, Jay Doyle. Thank you, Jay Doyle. Oh, thanks, Jay. Thank you, Mary Byrne. 
Thank you to Mary Rod. Thank you to Jim Rice. Thanks, Brown M, uh, which I only assume is... Brownum. Brownum, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Brownum up. Uh, thank you to Eric Andrew Dodson. Uh, Eric Andrew <laughs> Thanks, Dodson. Eric Andrew. Eric Andrew. Uh, thank you, Annie Cupcakes Monterey. I, I hope Cupcakes is your actual middle name. And, uh, and that... <laughs> That would be pretty sweet, Paul. Ah, I see <laughs> that you did the thing with the baked goods. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Such a good joke. So good. Yeah, pretty sweet. <sighs> We have our regular listeners, people who are with us week in and week out. We have, uh, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm sick of this order. I'm gonna switch up this order. Ho! Check that uh, out. Er- bam! Everything's in bam. Order. Oh! Bam! Boom! Ho! Bam! 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 Disarray. We have Kate McCoy, the bones of the operation. We have Andre Ice Cold Lyman. We have Eileen Corsano. We, we see, see you over there, there Eileen. Eileen. We do. And then we have David Poe. Poe! 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 And then we've got S.A. Franco... I um I have a better understanding. Oh, did she did she finally let us know? No. SA Franco, if you're listening to this, if you would just be so kind and to tell us what that means. I would I would love to know. Maybe it stands for something like maybe it's like Sarah Andrea Franco. Maybe Sondrick Ambleton Franco. San Sondrick Amblefoot. Uh, and then we have keeping us on the rails, Jeremy Riles. Thank you very much, Jeremy. We have our third woman in spirit, our third woman week in, week out. We have Callie Durga. Thank you very much, Callie. Thank you, Callie. And then we've got Adrian King, the punk rock queen. We've got Amy Hart, the heart of the operation, and as I discovered, a major Wonder Woman fan. And we also have Mio Mai on Twitter, who has been just supporting us a bunch, uh, really, from from quite early on into our show. So that was really great, and we wanted to add you to the list here, Mio Mai, so thank you. Thanks, Mio Mai. And uh, and then there's ways people can get a hold of us if they want to, James. Yeah, you could find us on different social media websites like some of these people have, these fine people. Uh, you can go to Facebook and find us at facebook.com slash thirdmen. You could tweet at us on Twitter at thirdmencast and use the hashtag thirdmencast. You could tumble down with us at thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. You can find go to right to the source on our WordPress where we post our show and show notes. That's thethirdmen.wordpress.com. Or you could email us, uh, which is as much to the source as you can get. Our email is thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, you know, people send an email to us. You know, we don't, we're not going to spam you. We won't bite. We don't mega bite. Yeah, well, inside. Mega <laughs> uh, I think so James. Good. It's James, so good. Sometimes that's such a good joke. Sometimes I look at our bloodline and I think, what, what helix 
became unlixed to cause this. Then we have an iHeartRadio page uh, via Spreaker. That is Spreaker.com, and you can search Third Men. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, Spreaker. You can find us on YouTube, where James does some funny visualizers. And uh, James, I would love to pitch you on doing some of those funny cartoons. For the, We have some skits from the past couple episodes that I think... I think are begging for them. I think I'll have to get on that then. Uh, and then you can rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Uh, doing that really helps. So uh, thank thank you for all those of you who have, and please continue to do so if you have not. Yes, and we did just get a new review from the BM White Walt, which I think is a play on BMW and Walter White. Uh, so thank you so much. We do still have a contest going on to get a Loretta Lynn DVD and some other goodies, but uh, you know what? We'll keep that on the background Yeah, until we get to 20 reviews. So, hey, and if you have any listener questions for us, if you send any in to our email or to our Facebook, we will answer them. And that does not – anything you ask – I mean, as long as it's not, and well, maybe the, even the sex stuff. You can ask some sex stuff. Uh, we'll answer it all, okay? So just don't be shy. Send those in, and you can do that. So also thank you to Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the help and recording of our theme song, We're the Third Men. And thank you to Susanna Roundtree for the intros and outros of our program. Yes, and I think that's going to do it. I also want to thank Bruce Brand again. Thank you so much for being on our show. We we greatly appreciate it, and we look forward to talking to you again. You're the best, Bruce. And until next week, James, I think I will be looking for a home. And I'll be looking for a home in uh, in Toreg Studios. Yeah, and a uh, cup of tea then, James? Let's celebrate. Oh, let's celebrate, Paul. Oh, man, that's offensive. I'm sorry, Bruce. <laughs> See you next week. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. Okay. That's not the experts do it, is it? We're all right. Well, I mean, it's how we do it. I don't know about the experts. I'll just. I'm gonna just gonna jump right in here, unless you had any questions, Bruce, before we started. Best not ask me if I've got any questions. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. How do I get rid of this little wavy um, chap? Because he's starting to get my nerves now. <laughs> or does he stay there? What, what, what? Who's waving? Little, Who's waving at I'm you? I'm a little smiley fella. He gets waving and grinning. It's like... Well, it's probably a Skype. It's contact. like one of those chaps who wants to wipe <laughs> um, your windscreen and... You have to flick him a nickel or something. Anyway... Yeah, the little man's got everything's gone. It's just a like grey box now. Never mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that right. seems eerily like my life. No. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, are you still there?
Man, the yeah, Skype lag. Sorry, yeah, the, the Skype lag. <laughs> the lag is. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, that's all right. Modern technology. Yeah. Hang on, my, ca- oh, my computer wants to restart. I better tell it to do that later. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, good timing, computer. Um, I bought um, mango tart cart beer, and then I also bought mango flavored seltzer water, and they're in similarly colored cans, <laughs> and they're direct. The boxes are directly next to each other and are the exact same size in the fridge, and so I call one of those a maybe DUI. Can I stop recording here? Okay.